with Easter, uh, one of the things that um, Easter, the celebration or Resurrection Sunday, Resurrection Sunday is probably a better word for it in Christian context, but Resurrection Sunday reminds us of the newness that comes through Jesus Christ. I like it that it happens during the spring where everything's turning, um, you know, everything's turning green and you've got flowers that begin to bloom and, and, and we're moving into a new season. I was thinking this morning, I actually walked to church and I didn't share this with our first service, but I got a little emotional on the way to church this morning. I was, I was thinking a little bit about my sermon and about what God did in my life when he made me a new creation. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But I was also thinking about how I just feel like even our church is on the verge of a new season. And I was thinking about, my, my gut tells me this will be the last Easter service we ever had. I'm not sad about that. I don't know why it makes me emotional. There is nothing on the table. We have not been offered anything. There have been no official numbers. There's just a part of me and my spirit there's been like three things that have kind of happened in the last two months that lead me to believe that God might open a door for us to relocate by this time next year. And if you look around, you can see it's necessary. It's needed. Our 9 o'clock service looked almost just like this. But I was thinking about it. It just hit me on the way here. You know, we've, this is where we've been since 2006. And it's just like this might be the last Easter here. I'm not even an emotional guy. I don't know why that got to me. But I was moved by the, just the fact that God's constantly making things new. It's like he never stops. And in this passage in Revelation 21, verse 5, it's where we're going to start. It's also where we're going to finish. The Word of God is talking to us here about the final heaven and the fine like the new heaven and the new earth when when we will forever be with Jesus that's what revelation 21 verse 5 is talking about and what an awesome and glorious day that's going to be when we do not have to endure the suffering of the world the dual nature battle that happens in the heart of the christian where you're constantly trying to fight off the old nature we're not going to see deal with sickness and pain and sorrow and death it's going to be awesome. And in Revelation 21.5, that is what is being spoken about, is this day that's coming when all things are made new. This week, that passage came to my mind as I was meditating on just how God makes things new. And I started thinking that while there is a day that's coming when all things are made new, there are a few things that are new now because of the resurrection, that because Jesus rose from the dead, there are some things that are made new today. And I want to share those things with you. Three things that God has made new through the resurrection of Jesus. Number one, there is a new life. Look what Romans 6.4 says. As Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Through the resurrection, we now have access to a new life. 
I spent 20 years of my life walking in darkness, walking in death. I was literally a dead man walking who needed to be born again. I was blind to the things of God. I was deaf to the voice of God. And quite honestly, I didn't even believe that God existed. But when I got saved at 20 years old, God gave me a new life. It was like for the first time, my eyes were open, my ears were open, and in my life, everything became new. And the Bible teaches us that through Christ and only through Him, we can have a new life. You know, this is so important in the church, in the Christian kingdom, we again get, that we get back to this truth that true Christianity is a new thing. It's not just the decision to join some social club. It's not just a decision that, hey, I'm going to start going to church and be a better person. It's not just some decision that, okay, I'm going to read the Bible some and learn what it says so that I can quote it and sound spiritual. That there is, in fact, something supernatural that occurs where God gives us a new life. You know, this is important because if you're here this morning and your life happens to be in shambles, your life happens to be unraveling, you need to understand that God can do a new thing in your life. That God can and God does make things new. There is nothing that God cannot do. The Bible says that nothing is impossible with God. You need to know that God can give you a new life. I'm not just saying change the old one that you have. I'm telling you God can give you a new life. This is important if you're the person that needs that new life. But it's also important for those of us that have people in our lives that we love. Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe it's you know, someone that's close to you in one way or another that it feels like it's a hopeless situation. Listen, with Jesus Christ, there is nothing that is hopeless. And we need to be reminded that our God makes all things new. There is nothing that he cannot do. And that includes giving somebody a new life. The second thing that is made new and is connected to the new life is that God gives us a new nature. God gives us a new nature. Look what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. First thing I want you to see in that text is the statement of fact, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Not he will be a new creation, not he is becoming a new creation, but if he's in Christ, He is a new creature. I know that it's not real popular anymore in a lot of circles to proclaim it. But can I tell you that if a person has truly received Jesus Christ, they will have a new nature. They will be different. 
It will be noticeable to the person and to the people in the person's life. Jesus spoke of it in these terms in John chapter 3. He said that a man must be born again. Jesus gives this analogy of being born again to teach this spiritual truth that when God does his work in us, we become new creatures. It's almost as if you are born a second time, born as a new person. We've got to get back to, as a people of God, unashamedly standing on this truth that there is a difference when Jesus comes into a person. That God changes people. Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher of old, he said it this way. A grace that's not strong enough to change you is certainly not strong enough to save your soul from hell either. And so if we trust in God's grace to save us, then that same grace should be powerful enough to change us. And that's exactly what the Word of God teaches, that when you're in Christ, you are a new creation. Now I want to take a little time this morning to explain what that means. We see clearly the Word of God teaches it. So let me give you a little bit of my personal testimony of how this worked itself out in my life. When I got saved at 20 years old, God did give me a new life and he gave me a new nature. Everything truly in my life, it radically changed. And I needed a life change. My life was worse than maybe most. It was, I needed life change. I was addicted to drugs, I was a bad person, I was a criminal, I was a drug dealer, and I just was a bad guy all around. I got so sick of my life that I would say there was at least a six-month window, might have been a little bit longer, but there was at least a six-month window where I was so sick of my life, I really did want to change. I hid it from most people. I didn't let most people know what was really going on in my heart, but I was just sick of my life. Every now and then, some of me and some of my friends, we'd be up real late at night. We'd sit around talking about, oh, we can't live this way. We got to change. We shouldn't be doing this. When are we going to stop? But you know what? The next morning, we'd wake up in the exact same boat we were in when we went to bed. And it really didn't matter how much I wanted to change, how much I talked about changing, how much I thought about changing, I couldn't change. I just couldn't. And then when I met God, I'm telling you, when Jesus saved me, my life personally, Joplin Emerson's life, was radically changed in a moment. I mean, I went into church one way and I came out another and I have never, ever been the same since. It was as if, God snapped his fingers in that moment when faith came into my heart, and I was a new person. I had new desires. I had new wants. And here was the craziest thing about it. So I wasn't raised in church. I'd never even sat through a sermon like the one you guys are sitting through. And I didn't know anything about the Bible. And I will never forget when I got saved how strange it was for me what followed. Because in my honest opinion, what I believed, 
I believe that being a Christian was a horrible, terrible, boring life that was non-existent of fun. I thought, who in the world would ever want to go to church? I mean, you go to church because you have to. You go to church because it's the right thing to do, or grandma makes you, or mom and dad make you. But, like, honestly, who would want to go? I thought to myself, all the things that supposedly these Christians do, who wants to do that for real? Who wants to read the Bible? Who wants to go out and spend time with God praying, whatever that means? Who wants to go to church? And then I thought, on the other hand, you come over here, I'm like, who would ever want to stop doing some of the stuff I am? Like these things that supposedly you're just not supposed to do in God's kingdom. Who would ever, ever want to stop enjoying these sins? And I thought to myself, I just don't understand Christianity. I don't understand why anybody would do it. I don't understand why anybody would ever talked into or pressured into or shamed into accepting that life. And the weirdest thing happened when I got born again. It was as if my entire mindset changed. I'm telling you, it was weird. It was like I wanted to be in church every time I could. And I couldn't understand that. I couldn't understand why in the world is this all I want to do? It's all I wanted to talk about. I wanted to read the Word of God. I wanted to be around Christian people. I'm like, this is weird. All these thoughts I never could have imagined desiring, it's like my whole heart desires these things. And then, the same things that I thought I would never want to stop doing, this is God's honest truth. All of a sudden, I was repulsed by those things. And I'm like, what has happened to me? I remember a scenario two or three months into being a Christian, 20 years old, I've only been saved two or three months, and I had a major breakdown, spiritually. I'm not making excuses. This, it was my fault. Joplin did what Joplin did. But this happened in my life. I was in a situation I really shouldn't have been in. I was in a room with some people I really shouldn't have been in. And I got pressured. This is my fault. I ain't making excuses. I'm just telling you just my perspective of what went on. I got pressured into getting high. And I remember as it was going on, I was so mad. I was like, these people know that I've changed my life. They know that I'm trying to be a different person. And the fact that they would even put me in this scenario, my heart's pounding. I'm mad. I'm thinking, you're going to get up and walk out. What are you going to do? Are you going to make a scene? And you know what? I didn't get up and walk out. I didn't make a scene. I just sat there and I caved. And when it was all said and done, I'm sitting there. I'm messed up. I'm watching the TV. And I could not understand what I was watching on TV. I'm like literally trying to process what's going on. One of the few things I remember is laughter on the TV, but me not understanding why the crowd was laughing. And I remember this exact thought. I sat there that day, and I thought, dude, you are really stupid right now. Like, you're, you can't even process TV. And then I thought this. How did you ever like this? At what point, how is it possible that for the last four years of your life, you actually thought this was fun. And I sat there and thought to myself, number one, I'm never doing this again. And number two, what happened to me? Like, who am I? Everything I once used to love, 
I don't love it anymore. Not only do I not love it, I actually despise it. And all the stuff that I once used to think over here in God's world would be so boring and so this and that. It's the only thing I wanted to. You know what had happened? Exactly what God's word teaches. I'd been given a new life and a new nature that totally transformed who I was. This is possible only because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a real event that happens when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we become born again, that God gives us a new nature. Now, I want to further clarify something very important, something I wish somebody would have told me very early on in my Christianity, and it took me almost four or five years to learn what I'm about to tell you. I wish somebody would have told me that even though I had a new nature, that didn't mean the old nature wouldn't try to raise his ugly head. Because there were times in my life that even though everything was new and I loved God and I wanted to go to church and this, you know, like I truly loved God, but there were some times that it was like if I was exhausted and I was tired and, and you know, I just had a long day and I was on edge, that man... I'm telling you, that old me came out. My attitude towards people, the things that I would think, the thoughts that I would think. And you know what happened for me? I'd think to myself, well, maybe you're not really saved. Maybe you're not really a Christian. I mean, if you're a Christian, Joplin, how in the world you still get mad when people act like idiots? That's what I think. And then I'd feel guilty for in my mind thinking that people are idiots. And then I'd go into my circle of shame where I'd think, God, I'm not even saved. And help me to have a better mind. And I'd want to hit my knees at the altar every single week and confess to God, I'm a bad person. Save me, save me, save me, save me. Change me, change me, change me. It wasn't many years later that I learned that even at salvation, when God gives us a new nature, God does not remove entirely the, the old nature. Instead, he gives me a new one to follow. And occasionally there's conflict in this soul of mine. But one of the most like joyous things for me when I saw it was this truth. The very fact that there's conflict in my soul is one of the evidences that I'm changed. I used to not care. I couldn't give two rips less. Now, when I do sin against God, I'm broken about it. Now, when I have these thoughts, which to me were totally normal before, I had no remorse for at all before. Now, when I have these thoughts, I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why do you think this way? And I'm trying to change it. There was this internal battle between the old nature and the new. And brothers and sisters, a big part of Christianity is learning. When you've truly been born again and you truly have a new nature, one of the big battles of Christianity is learning to listen to the new nature, follow the new nature, and yield to the Holy Spirit, and say no to the old man. But make no mistake about it, God does give us a new nature. And it's noticeable. And it happens in a moment. As I was meditating on this truth, there were three people that came to my mind that I know personally that I just thought about, you know, these are good pictures of God transforming somebody in a moment of time. One was myself. I've already told you my story. The next was AJ. AJ, you want to stand so everybody knows I'm talking about you? This is AJ. 
A.J. and his wife both lived homeless for many years in, in Wichita. Uh, drug abuse was part of their story, but it wasn't just that. I mean, it's just this inability to, like, get through to them. A.J. went in and out of prison a handful of times, and it was just like it did not matter. Nobody could help them. There were people who wanted to help them, but they just weren't helpable. And then probably four years ago, about four years ago, um, A.J. and LaDonna both were radically and miraculously saved. God changed their life. They've been here ever since. They actually helped lead our homeless ministry here at the well. God's done an amazing work in both of their lives. It's evident to everybody. They know God's done the work. We know God's done the work. And I thought they're just a picture that you could easily point to. Here's somebody where all the 12-step processes of the world, all the times locked up in jail in the world, all of it that didn't change anything, but God did in a moment of time what years of everyone else was not able to do. And then I thought about Kevin Wilkes. Brother Kevin, you want to stand? This is Kevin, so you know who I'm talking about. Kevin had a really bad experience in church. And to make matters worse, he was in church but wasn't even a true Christian. And so, without the true help of the Holy Spirit, causing him to be born again and changing his life, you've got somebody kind of masquerading as a Christian that doesn't really have the Holy Spirit leading them. And then on top of that, he spent a handful of years in just a really bad church. A bad period of time where... He just saw a lot of phony baloney stuff, a lot of name it, claim it garbage, a lot of, you know, give 10000 and you'll get 100000 back, a lot of people up on the stage like I am swindling the church to get rich. On top of that, he watched a lot of abuse at the spiritual leadership level. He watched people that were supposedly supposed to be spiritual leaders having affairs and all sorts of crazy stuff. And, and after enough of it, Kevin's heart got hard, and he just said to himself, you know what, forget it all, man. If that is what church is, if that's what God blesses, if that is all good and God's okay with that, I don't want anything to do with it, and I don't want anything to do with that God. And he walked out angry, hurt, bitter, and lived that way for years. How many? 16, almost two decades. 16 years as the heart got hard and bitter. His wife got saved. She's getting baptized here. So he shows up mad that he's even got to step foot inside of a church to be there to at least support his wife while she's being baptized. But he came in through this same building, those doors that you all came in through this morning, and he came in with a chip on his shoulder, mad at the world, mad at church, mad at God, mad that he had to be here. That was the attitude he came in. And he left a completely different human being. God spoke to his heart that night, absolutely brought the man to his knees spiritually. And that very night, Kevin gave his heart to God and was radically and miraculously changed and now serves as the lead deacon here at the well. There is nothing that God cannot do. This is important for two reasons. If you're here this morning and you're like me, and you think to yourself, well... I don't know about that Christianity stuff. It ain't going to be any, you know, I, I can't do that. I can't want to go to church. I can't want to be a Christian. 
I can't ever see myself not wanting to partake in these particular sins. All I can tell you is you have no idea what you're going to be like after Jesus changes your heart and gives you a new nature. You're trying to figure out what Christianity is going to look like in your current state. And that is a mess. And that's not real Christianity. And it's going to be, it'd be miserable if you don't truly get born again and let the Holy Spirit come to live inside of your heart. But you have no idea what it's really going to be like when God gives you a new nature. And I want, I want to challenge you and encourage you if that's you this morning. I want to encourage you and challenge you. You have got to trust God with all of that. And I want to challenge you and encourage you in a moment when we do take some time to pray, whether you come forward to pray or whether you pray right there in your seat, I want to challenge you to pray and ask God to give you a new nature. Ask God to change your life. Ask God to come into your life and cause you to be born again and make you new. Because brothers and sisters, that's what Jesus came to die for. That's why he came, not just to pay for our sins, but that he might pay for our sins and make us new. That way we might walk in the newness of life. That way we might become new creatures, new creations. This is why Jesus came. And we celebrate the resurrection this morning, not only and that God has made a way to redeem us from the pits of hell, but that God has made a way to make us new creatures, to change who we are at our core, to cause us to be born again and give us a new nature. Third thing this morning, and I'm done. Through the resurrection, we have a new hope. I'm going to read... Five verses out of a nearly 30-verse section of Scripture. If you want to go read um, more on this, I'd encourage you to after service today or sometime tonight. You can mark just first, mark 1 Corinthians 15 in your Bibles. There's this long section, 1 Corinthians 15, about the resurrection. About what it means for you and I. And I've taken five of those verses and kind of put them together for us to get the nuts and bolts of it this morning, as we talk about the reality, we have a new hope because of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 20, and we're going to finish all the way up in verse 57. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. It's a fact. Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep for as by one man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. When the perishable puts on imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is is your sting. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that says in a nutshell? Is that because Jesus rose from the dead, we're going to rise from the dead. That He was the first fruits of what is to come. This is the great promise and the great hope for the sons and daughters of God. That we will one day 
be resurrected to be with Jesus forever. You know, life after death is something, as a pastor, that I have obviously studied a lot. And you might be surprised to know that while the Bible tells us a lot, it is somewhat vague on the topic of what life after death looks like. We've got to take all these different pieces and kind of put it together to understand. Because we do know there's going to be a final resurrection. We do know that we will get glorified bodies. Here's what we also know. We also know that at death, at least for the child of God, we are immediately in the presence of God. Jesus told the thief on the cross that today you will be with me in paradise. We know that um, when Jesus was transfigured in front of his three disciples, that there appeared with him Moses and Elijah. And so here's what we know. They were recognizable. They were in some form that was clearly recognizable as Moses and Elijah. And so we can conclude without any question that for those of us who have been blood-bought, born again, redeemed by the Lamb, when we die, we are instantly in the presence of our God. And then we conclude that eventually there's coming this day, this final fulfillment, where we're actually like reunited with our bodies and our bodies are glorified. There's this resurrection, and that's why it uses the term asleep, that the body itself is laid to rest, and it's this picture of sleep. But there's coming a day when there is this final resurrection, and we all receive as the, the gospel, or First John teaches us, that we will get glorified bodies just like Jesus. Now, for a guy that spent most of my life studying the Word of God, I'm going to tell you something. I still haven't wrapped my mind around completely what heaven's going to be like. But here's the one thing that I do know, that I know, that I know, that I know. It is certain, and because Jesus rose from the dead, I'm going to rise from the dead. And that, brothers and sisters, is our new hope. You know, there is truly nothing better than the Christian life. I think everybody that's ever died a martyr would still tell you nothing better than the Christian life. But the Christian life does not mean that we don't suffer. It doesn't mean that we don't go through heartache. It doesn't mean that we never fail. It doesn't mean that people don't get sick and die. It doesn't mean that we never get, you know, persecuted. It, the, the Christian life still has its difficulties. And for us as Christians, our ultimate hope is not that God's going to make us all rich and wealthy and that we're going to live free of pain and sorrow. That's a devilish doctrine that has no place in the kingdom of God. God has not promised that. God has not promised that we're never going to deal with sickness and sorrow, but what God's promise is that here on this side of heaven, He's going to go with us through it all, that we would never be alone. No matter what we go through, He will be by our side. And then our ultimate hope is in this new heaven and this new earth that God is preparing for His children. That is the new hope that we have. And I ask you the question this morning, do you have that hope? I want to finish where I started. 
Revelation 21.5. And as I do, I'm going to ask our worship team if you guys have a, a song or two of uh, worship to close out with this morning. If you'll come and get that ready. Revelation 21.5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Our hope lies in the fact that there is coming a day when there will be no more sorrow and no more pain. And our God will wipe away every tear and we will completely and finally be transformed into His likeness. We won't struggle with flesh. We won't struggle with this world. We won't struggle with the devil. Imagine how great heaven's going to be. That old hymn says it best, all will be peace forevermore. On that happy golden shore. What a day. Glorious day that will be.